you're on the air. Don't say anything crazy. everybody and welcome to edition 29 of bro bears talk welcome andre thank you brotherly bear i am intrigued as to what we will be talking about keep me hanging and the audience no longer do tell (laughs) okay i will i will now spill the beans as it were so today we're going to be discussing the political event that nobody cares about that political scientists all over the world um, put in the in the footnotes um, of the, of their um, findings, and that is the Canadian election that is dawning upon us on September twentieth of this year. Justin Trudeau, pow, pow, Justin, <laughs> Canada's nicest man that keeps doing offensive things. The politest of polite Canadians. <laughs> the polite centrist. The, uh, the 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 do not offend anybody left or right. Yes, it's uh, it's Justin. Uh, he's called an election two years early, and uh, a lot of political what? scientists. Yes, yes, that's yes. not registered on my um, Politico edition. Well, that's that's, um, that's why I told you that uh, this is the event that nobody cares about. Don't. <laughs> so why uh, we're doing a podcast? <laughs> well, I th- I think I think that's a very good question, and and hopefully that will be apparent over the next. Uh, no brotherly bear, 20, I won't jeopardize it before the eggs hatched. Do go yes. on. Do not smash the eggs before they hatch. I I think I think that the Canadian election is um it's it's definitely kind of a muted uh, political event. Uh, doesn't have the the clout that you get from kind of the, the US election or the UK election, right? Um, but it is certainly an important one. Um, and uh, right now we have uh, Justin Trudeau, who went into calling the election two years early with uh, a lot of confidence, um, and the stats and the public temperature check said that he was he was very much uh, going to be the victor. Um, but now the, the uh, conservative Erin O'Toole is creeping up on the polls, um, and uh, Justin, in a recent provincial election, lost Nova Scotia, um, which is out on the Atlantic provinces, usually a liberal stronghold. So if I say so myself, he's probably shitting it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Nova Scotia, is that, um, for the layman here, which I am, um, is that very much a liberal uh, province? Yes, yes. So I will actually go through um, the kind of, provinces of, of Canada, so, or, or not one by one, but re- on a regional level. Um, so you've got the Atlantic Because provinces. that would be worrying, right? If um, a particularly liberal province such as Nova Scotia were seemingly flipping, um, this does set a worrying precedent for the seemingly quite audacious push and step to call an election early. I mean, it's always a sign of confidence, if not arrogance, on the edges sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, it's an incredibly worrying um, it's a result. I mean, the Atlantic provinces are usually left social democratic leaning liberal strongholds. Um, they've been traditionally the most impoverished part of Canada, um, with uh, a bit of a monoculture relying on the fishing industry. Um, so, to the layman, Canada is, I mean, I think this is an excellent quality, but Canada is an extremely resource rich country. Um, it's the second biggest country in the world. Um, huge amount of oil reserves, oil and natural gas in the West. Um, massive agricultural industry, forestry, 
um, as well as in the fishing industry. And, um, you know, uh, resources actually determine elections. And we'll talk a bit about that later with respect to the oil and gas industry. But the struggling economies of the East Coast, so you're kind of, you know, your Prince Edward Islands, your Nova Scotias, your New Brunswick's, um, Newfoundland and Labradors, those, those make up the Atlantic provinces. Traditionally liberal strongholds. Um, but the, the prominence uh, of the, the liberals dwindled and the Tories took Nova Scotia um, in, uh, in the last election. Sorry, in the, in the provincial election, which, which happened earlier this month. So, um, oh, sorry, at the end of August. So that's very worrying for Justin. Um, and, and on a federal level, that's worrying for, for kind of liberal voters everywhere. And the eyes appealed are obviously for the next sort of um, indicative results from other provinces. What's up next? Are the eyes peeled for any particular provinces in terms of initial indicative results? Yeah, so to give to give you a bit of idea of the the Canadian system, it's very much modelled um, on the federal level after the UK system. So similarly, it's a constitutional monarchy. Um, and on the and basically you've got a House of Commons and you've got a Senate and the House of Commons has 338 um, constituencies um, or as they're known colloquially here ridings um, now generally the East and as we were saying Canadians you've met before people from you know your Ontarios your Quebecs um, from cities very kind of urbane and metropolitan areas like Montreal um, and, and uh, Tor the Toronto kind of metroplex, uh, Ottawa, and also way out west in British Columbia, um, in Vancouver, these are kind of liberal strongholds. Um, now, if you look at the last election map, all of Alberta and all of Saskatchewan and all of the interior of British Columbia, the kind of traditional west and prairie provinces was 100% blue. Um, there was not there was not one uh, you know red liberal patch on the map. So it at the moment there's a lot of guesswork going on. Um, you know the the statistics say that, that they're kind of neck and neck. But um, I'd be very surprised if Alberta or Saskatchewan went uh, away from the kind of cons their conservative roots. Um, the only thing, the only threat to that is the NDP, which is a, a socialist party. Um, and even the conservatives would rather, well, a lot of conservatives in Alberta would rather vote for the NDP than the liberals. The liberals are hated out West. And the NDP, um, the layman here again, sort of define where they sit with all of yes. this. Yes. Yes. So, um, the NDP are the, they're on the further left. So you've got the you've got the conservatives on the center um, right. You have the liberals on the center left, and the NDP are on the far left, um, mm -hmm. and they're run by um, uh, a gentleman named Jagmeet Singh. And, and just out of curiosity, how many um, provinces, if any, are within NDP stronghold? Um, so the the NDP don't. They've, I don't think they've ever taken uh, an entire province on the federal level, but they actually used, they had the government in Alberta, um, which is surprising. So No way, really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You would have thought the, the polar opposite, right? 
Yeah, so so the interesting thing about provincial politics in Alberta is it's very much governed by um, kind of blue-collar interests. Um, the Liberals are seen as the party, they're, they're seen as the metropolitan, metropolitan elite. So you, you've, you've sort of got your kind of North London um, liberal elite in the UK that is sort of very pro-Remain um, and often quite conservative in, in monetary ways, liberal in political way, liberal in social ways. The liberals are seen as that. So blue-collar workers and ranchers and farmers, um, they went from conservative to voting NDP um, and just skipped out on voting liberal. <laughs> right okay yeah so it's 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 interesting but um it's um it's definitely um um it's definitely anyone's guess as to who's going to win the problem is the liberals have kind of this they've got this image that they only represent the east of canada they only represent your torontos your montreals ottawa's your kind of eastern provinces and that's very much the you know the west takes umbrage at that because and i i've sympathized with the west because they get generally less funding, um, but they produce they produce all the resources. Um, they produce all the you know the the corn and the the agricultural stock and the the oil and gas. And there's a bill called the Equalization Bill in Canada that try unlike in the states where they kind of just let the states do what they want, um, they actually pull money from the West and give it to states provinces like Quebec where the the economic forecast is less favorable. Would you say the um, Canada, in in terms of a simplistic model, is a two-party system, roughly speaking, very much sort of a, a Labour conservative as we have over here. Um, but I, I suppose what is held, I mean, that, that tends to be the case in most large free world Western economies, um, political I suppose dynamics right it does tend to be two large parties at loggerheads of each other you know yeah. switching places and proclaiming change every time they run an election campaign whatever that means mm, mm. um yeah I, th I think that's a great great question because that talks to um the i suppose the the nature of politics and how it you, you get this kind of duopoly um it speaks I think to the nature that, of reality. Everything has a. I feel like we will. We've always talked about how the nature of the phenomenon, rather, of polarity is so pervasive. It's everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Def definitely on on any level, and there's certain structures that that help that become a reality um, more than others. So, for example, in the U.S., you've got a first past the post winner takes all system, um, and the winner takes all aspect of that basically makes it pointless to vote for any other party than the republicans or the democrats um we're a bit luckier than that in canada and and in the uk and uh, and what i mean by that is there are, there's room for third parties on the right well hang on brother Bech, just before you carry on if we stick with the u.s system isn't there still um elections on the state level that you know respect nuance well that's a good point, but uh, this is kind of a federal comparison I'm making. Um, Fine, so, got it. So yes, on the federal, on the, yeah, federal, federal, federal ammunition. So <laughs> on the on buck the state, buckshot to the face. On 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 the state level, um, yes, you're absolutely right, brother Bear. You've got elected sheriffs, you've got local mayors, um, and and governors that 
there, there's a hell of a lot of nuance. Um, on the federal level, uh, the the, the um, winner takes the electoral college system makes it far more prohibitive for for third party entrance. Um, the closest that is a shame, right? I find that that's a shame because it therefore sucks. you uh, exclude potentially exciting new avenues and ways of thinking and ways of governing. Absolutely. You've got to either fit nicely and squarely into either the Democrat bundle or the or the Republican bundle. God um, damn the rule of polarity, the universal law of polarity. I know, it sucks. And, and the, the sad thing was, Brother Bear, that... Um, well, the only time in the collective memory where that didn't happen was in the, the Bush-Gore election, where Ross Perot was a sort of third-party maverick candidate, and he took a huge percentage of the vote. Actually, um, Brother Bear, I always find that whenever a US election rolls around, there's always the conversation, or there is an element of the conversation that speaks still refers to, at times, an independent. Mm. I'm running as an independent. And um, that happens, right? Mm. Um, or albeit it's never successful. Um, at least the idea is still alive and kicking on some level. Uh, yes, I mean, I th- I think that um, there's there's huge appetite, public appetite, to move away from this system because Americans know that they're stuck with, uh, you know, a Hillary and a Trump. Or well, isn't it just a depressing seesaw at the end of the day? <laughs> that's a great way of, of explaining it it's a very depressing seesaw a very predictable seesaw you know and and there's dynasties right i mean the kennedys were a dynasty they were like a, america's royal family the clintons are a dynasty the bushes are a dynasty um, that's a really good point can you tell me a bit about the kennedy dynasty for my um unpolitical mind yeah so obviously you had um john john f kennedy but uh yep you you had the um, the prominence of Jack Kennedy and, and Bobby Kennedy, um, and Kennedys in the um, the kind of caucuses and the um, <clears throat> the lobbying that influenced basically had a huge sphere of influence in in people's lives in the U.S. and th- these are these go beyond what who people voted for. So the Ken- the Kennedys as well with how they're kind of deified and glorified. You know, you got the the John F. Kennedy Memorial Highway, Memorial Airport, Memorial Building. Very they're monastic. Very well. Very, very mo- 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 monarchical. Mon- Sorry, monastic. Mon- I mean, monarchical. Well, <laughs> that was completely the wrong word. What yeah. I meant by that was um, very Kennedy. much like a monarchy. You know, a lineage. Yes, I think Kennedy's sex life was far from monastic. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. It was completely the wrong choice of words. Um, uh, monastic, maybe Joe Biden, but certainly not Kennedy. Yeah, 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 yeah yes, 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 yes. Joe Biden, monastic, forgetful and monastic. Um, but, <laughs> but We do um, need to talk about that at some point, Brotherly Bear. I've seen some recent clips and it is, I mean, <laughs> I mean, t- t- what, what really quite terrifying... Really. I think it's, but to, to think that that is the state, the mental state of the most powerful man, arguably, well, in theory, on the planet, the leader <laughs> of the free world. Uh, I know, I know, it's beggar's belief, really. I think, I think that the um, uh, the Biden Biden administration is. There's a good chance that you know his advisors have a much more forthcoming role than previous um, incumbents. So. 
Words like, you know, he's standing and he's going to take questions. He's like, I've been given this list here um, and I've been told to call on um, Brenda there from CNN first. Yes, please. <laughs> and But th- this is this is no exaggeration. Like, it's not like Trump who was, if you re- realize, and this is what worries me about the media. There is a bias in the media in America, seemingly, um, towards the more liberal side. Um, and so th- there was very much sort of a pack of dogs attacking Trump. Mm. And maybe maybe he enjoyed that. Maybe he encouraged that to some extent, you could argue. Yes. And I wouldn't necessarily dispute that because he loved being in the limelight regardless of what the situation was and regardless of what he came across like. I think the interesting thing about Biden is that you do feel like there are puppet masters, multiple puppet masters in the background telling him what to do just to, for appearance's sake. Mm. I think there's an incredibly um, large amount of signs that indicate towards true incompetence at this point. And it's just almost a cardboard cutout that's being pushed out for external viewing purposes. But, it, you know, I, I can't see him... I can't see him surviving the, the four-year term. I'm really... really? Um, I, 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 yeah, really, because... I feel like Kamala Harris will come in at some point, whether that's a year from now or two years from now. Um, because I feel like the mental degradation is such that, you know, there's no stopping it. There's a natural process in place. Mm. Um, and there's no stopping that at this point. And it's just, it's just scary to see some of it because completely like from an unbiased perspective, it's worrying to see that... Um, as the f- leader of the free world, articulating his ideas, his policies in the way he does, and almost unable to answer questions unless they they are predetermined, and then his answers, I'm sure, are mm. pre-programmed and predetermined as well by his team in the background. Yes, that that's incredibly worrying, and um, I think your comment earlier, there's a, a liberal bias in the media. There certainly is right now. I think there's also a, a general bias in the US media towards the establishment candidate. Um, and the reasons behind that are probably far deeper than we can imagine um, in terms of monetary gain. But um, yeah, I, I look, another prime example would be George W. Bush. You know, he was a, he was a, he was a cocaine addict, an alcoholic, a D student. Um, there was nothing intelligent about George Bush. And, most of his decisions were governed by six or seven prominent advisors. Um, the media generally didn't attack him um, much because he stood for he was he was part of a dynasty, right? Um, as as the Bidens, um, the, you know, the Clintons are, and um, I think I think that that's that's the issue with U.S. politics is that dynasties are guarded. Um, because that's where the lobbying money goes. And yeah, I would say in the 80s, there was a conservative elite in, mm-hmm. in the 2020s or the 2010s there's a liberal elite. Um, there are elites and establishments that are defended by the media. And depending on when when you're watching, they, they flip from left to right. Um, I, th- I think a really interesting dynamic that I, I, th- I think is starting to come to the fore and being more apparent in the veil is very much being lifted of traditional media in terms of what the power of traditional media to put a veil between the public perception and the reality 
behind closed doors. And I think social media, to a large extent, is doing a lot to lift that veil up and actually see these people for who they are, which are human beings mm. who are, you know, as faulty as anyone else. And I, I think the traditional media put this very permanent, very convincing veil for the longest time between us and them. Yeah. Where actually now there is almost a realization and an obvious realization to the point of like, well, of course, that they're, they're only human. Of course, they're prone to the same mistakes and the same thinkings and the internal speak that I am. And I, I think it's just a very fascinating time in that respect, mm. philosophically, that, you know, although yes on the face of it you always knew they were human it, it, it it's truly coming across in a way there's one way you know there's understanding that concept and then there's understanding that concept mm. yeah i think that's an astute point because um we live in a very rocky and interesting place the ground literally the ground beneath our feet when it comes to how we consume media is shifting well, it's um, so much more dynamic because you used to rely on one or two or three channels back in the day in the 50s, in the 60s, sure. and arguably up until very recently, the last few decades, it's only kind of been these more more fluid, more dynamic, more permeable um, social media platforms that have actually given us an, a look behind what's happening backstage. Yeah, there's far more misinformation now through social media, but there's also far more transparency and the... You know, you know the truth truth and information is no longer controlled by two or three major conglomerates i would actually um, argue there's more misinformation but there's also more transparency there's both most there's both more there's more of both th that's right it pulls it pulls both in both directions because you you see you see levels of transparency and humanism in in leaders that you never ever saw before um the kind of the great statesman those days are gone um Obviously, that opens a door for far more lies and, and fake news to um, to come to the fore. But it, you're, you're right. It pulls in both ways. Um, in, it does. In, you know, they're, they're polar opposite, but it does pull in both ways there. There, there is a cost to that, yeah, mm. that, that we, 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 we take. Um, but I think it's such an interesting dynamic that's only sort of at the beginning of its maturity curve in terms of... You know, what are the social economic implications of us truly understanding politicians as human beings? I think that's a non-trivial realisation, and I'm not sure where it finishes. Mm. Yeah, and it's. I think Trump was a catalyst in that realisation, um, because he's someone that rolled in it and loved it. You know, he, he revelled in... The fact yeah. that he was, you know, yes, I, you know, he, he, he's someone, he, he was openly fine with people's knowledge that he, you know, he slept with prostitutes and, you know, that he did this deal and that backdoor deal and he didn't, he didn't give a shit, you know, um, he completely pushed the limits and the boundaries of what it meant to be a politician. Um, so he was a catalyst and, and it worked in tandem with uh, the way we consume information now. He, he was the standard bearer for populism, right? Whatever that means. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he was very much, you know, um, in for me is great because sort of the old adage, you know, um, any news is good news or publicity, any publicity is good publicity. Right, right. And um, so I think to a large extent, you know, consciously or non-consciously or subconsciously, he uh, leveraged that truth to his advantage mm. i think that's all he had as well um i think that is all he had i think it was all smoke and whereas it all was big words bombastic it was about outrage 
um, mm. but seemingly enough. Um, and, and again, it goes back to social media. Remember the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal? scandal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that um, you know, on a statistical level, played a role. Um, it, you know how f how prominent that role was. We'll never know. And you know, it's it's just it's always going to be guesses and different takes on it. Um, but yeah, as as an individual, I think that that Trump was you know he, he changed the game when it came to populism and what what it means to be a politician. Um, I think he's changed it forever. Like I, I think love him or loathe him, he's changed the political game permanently. He has, he has certainly, and I think people be far more comfortable now voting for an outsider and I think that I don't think that's a bad thing at all um you know I think think that that could that could pull in any particular direction but you know Trump was he was he a good politician a good leader well that's depends on where you stand on that I mean I would say in many ways no but then at the end of the day the world the world didn't implode like people said it would and, I think um, outsiders, we need to be careful about that because I, I feel like that's exactly what Hitler resembled. And um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's it's all too easy to forget history. Um, you know, Churchill said that the next Nazis will call themselves anti-Nazi. And you're starting to see that in the very sort of uh, fascist imagery of Antifa, for example. Mm -hmm. And also groups like the Proud, the Proud Boys, you know, yeah, there's um, there's dangerous, dangerous groups out there that and it um, permeates companies, right? This mm -hmm. whole like enforcement of equality is, if on on the first surface of it, you know, happy rainbows, but you start to dig a little bit, and there 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 is um, an unpleasant enforcement of compliance. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's kind of the the story of. You know, forced tolerance and uh, the uh, what what we're see what we're seeing from certain leftist groups that does start to resemble kind of a pseudo fascist. Um, it, I, I think it's 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 not the message. It's it's how the message is being enforced because mm. everyone generally agrees with the message. It's the methods used the methods that, that are, used. are questionable. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it's the methods that are used, and it's the kind of shaming um, of people that that don't comply or aren't even aware that they're not complying with with the new new way new rules of conduct but you see you see brother bear how interesting the canadian election is we've very quickly started talking about the americans <laughs> well, well well exactly um it didn't take us long you're, you're, it didn't take us long at all <laughs> it's it took probably, us a grand um, total of 15 yeah. minutes <laughs> yes the, the bbc know where their money are and hence have stayed well clear yeah <laughs> well i don't but i don't want bear, to yeah, go I, ahead. I, I, I do want to get back to it, though. I do want to get back to it. I don't want to stray too far away because I think I think there's there's interesting political tangents we can go on. We can talk about you know the dangers of Trump and populism and the dangers of all these these groups on the far left and far right. But I think we should hone it in a little bit and we should give the Canadians some platform, even if it's only for another ten bloody minutes. Just <laughs> give them some time um, and recognition. Um, I th I think I think that it's an interesting time, at least, um, for to to be in Canada, and um, in particular, it's going to be an interesting way, um, to, to see how the the oil and gas industry is treated, um, because you've got 
And this kind of relates to the work of Mr. Musk um, and the liberal endorsement of electric vehicles, and the funding of that infrastructure. And uh, in provinces like Alberta and Saskatchewan, you know, people are quite anti-EV. The oil and gas industry is it kind of rules the roost in terms of people's survival and um, therefore it informs people's political choices. So it's going to be interesting because this election is very much about kind of climate and, and how we're going to, you know, going forward, how, how we're going to take action to, to you know, to respond to the latest UN warning bell or, or say fuck it and just go keep going for oil and gas. Being our bro bear in Alberta and the man on the ground over there, do you feel like the Conservative um, candidate winning over there is a foregone conclusion at this point? Or do you think there's even an outside chance of Trudeau um, winning that particular province? I think that it's a foregone conclusion in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Um, honestly, Brother Bear, probably on a weekly basis, often more regularly than that, I'll see someone wearing a fuck Trudeau hat or <laughs> or, or bumper sticker. There is, honestly, the the amount of hatred for him runs deep here um, in, in Alberta. And, and, and is that chiefly, if we look at the root cause, because they see him as a threat to their livelihoods, namely the oil and gas industry? I think it's that, and I think it's also they see him as a, a representative of Eastern Canada. Um, you know, a, a kind of this this bilingual uh, metropolitan man that only serves, you know, Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, um, mm. and these kind of Western cowboy interests are, are left um, in by the wayside, and that's what it comes down to. Gotcha, gotcha. So that he doesn't have a hope in hell out here would be my answer to the question. <laughs> the but it's becoming more interesting because the conservative. Um, leader Erin O'Toole has taken a far more environmentalist stance um, and is pandering to kind of the L LGBT community as well. So, Do you so think that might alienate him from his traditional voter base? It might make people out here turn to the, the PPC, the People's Party of Canada and they're, um, they're far more they're more classically liberal, conservative and populist. Uh, they're far more pro-gun because um, that's another aspect in Canadian and well Canadian politics is gun gun rights a bit like in the US are also part of the debate the liberals have been slowly and quietly um, I suppose they've been curtailing and banning certain certain guns um, and, and regulating them grandfathering in old ones and, and I think that's that's definitely going to have a, a part to play as well because there's a lot of gun owners in the west of Canada Mm. And I think the gun ownership is um, as much a, a part of their identity as potentially livelihood out there, right? There is There are hunters, there's mm. wilderness. Um, but yes, I, I think the freedom and the liberty that's associated with owning a gun is a lot more than just the hardware of a gun. It's Yes, it's, the word you use was identity, and that's that's so true, you know, kind of the... The, you've got the hunting and the the trapping, uh, but also yes, the, that kind of that image of you know you're the free person living in the wild, living in the wild wild west, and you you can arm yourself, you can defend yourself. Um, I think that's a big a big part of, of people's identity here. You know, it's probably not a patch on what it is in the states, um, 
but it, it definitely exists here in a way that it doesn't in Europe. Well, yeah, I, I remember our conversation um, with your friend from the, the gun store. Do you remind me of his name? Jeff, Jeff Collins, yeah. Yeah, Jeff Collins. Yeah, that's right. And that that was a fantastic podcast. I really enjoyed that. That was such a window into a world I, I wasn't that familiar with. Um, but yes, it gave me a real appreciation for how much more guns mean to them than we can possibly imagine here in Europe, really not having that relationship with guns at all. And so um, that that was such an eye opener for me. Yeah, yeah, I think I think guns are, um, you know, the gun culture there really isn't a gun culture in much of Europe and the UK um, the people's relationship with firearms in the UK is minimal to non-existent um, and uh, no. I think it's just a completely different story North America is uh, yeah, there's guns everywhere the US Canada Mexico um, you know hunters trappers target shooters it's it's very much um, part of the culture here so a party on the federal level that's trying to curtail that is not going to be looked at kindly in certain jurisdictions. So, Brotherly Bear, do tell me, um, where are we going to land? So, what's the crucial date? What is Election Day? Yeah, so Election Day is September 20th, so in 11 days' time. Wow, that is not long. No, no, that hence the um, the triggering of this podcast today. My God, well, why yes. did you say that at the beginning? Yes, yes, yes. So it's 11 days, and it's going to be interesting because uh, Quebec as well, and we haven't even talked about Quebec, um, will probably be largely dominated by the um, the party, the, the Bloc Quebecois, mm -hmm. which is, a, it's not liberal, not conservative. They're actually kind of a, a left-leaning party that believe in Quebec sovereignty and Quebec becoming its own country. Oh, um, Really? Yes, yeah, so a little a little bit of information, and this is, in in some respects, brother bear, Canada on the provincial level is more separate. The provinces are more different than the states, even. Um, mm -hmm. for, so I'll start with healthcare. When I came to Canada, I assumed that healthcare would be managed universally on the federal level. Not the case. Um, each province has its own healthcare system. Um, right. And each province has its own. You know, it can differ on the pharmaceuticals you can get and the operations you can get and the funding and the taxes mm -hmm. are different. So, you know, you can have a completely different experience in Manitoba or Quebec in the healthcare system than you would in, say, Alberta. Um, so would you say it's far more regional um, and state-led? Yes. Yeah, managed regionally and um, very different from region to region. But Quebec, um, unlike the rest of Canada, Quebec has very different laws quite a different well it's, it's hilarious Go it's ahead. a bunch of um canadians that they're that adamant that they're french <laughs> well exactly exactly and they <laughs> they speak french there and the the system is far more modeled over the europe the european and french system there france so, so alberta the france exactly so the quebec is uh over regulated <laughs> in the eyes of the rest of canada um, regulation de versailles <laughs> The Versailles, <laughs> Clemenceau. <laughs> um, Alberta, however, is a hundred percent redneck Americana. Um, it's like I, I, I met I met a friend from Connecticut um, a few months back, um, Connecticut in the states, and she said that Alberta was far more American than anywhere in New England. Really, um, in in the wow. U.S. 
Yeah, yeah. Like the the amount of people that own guns, the cowboys, the rednecks, the trucks, the lifestyles, hunting, fishing, everything. It's it's far more. It's it's more comparable to the American South. Um, what a wonderful which amalgam of different views and cultures in one country. Absolutely, and this is this is what makes Canadian elections quite interesting because you've got all these different cultures. You've got the redneckery of Alberta and Saskatchewan, but then hop over the line to BC, and British Columbia's is it's like Canada's California. It's hippie, it's hippie dippy pot smoking um, individuals. Quebec is its own country, pretty much. Well, it isn't its own country. They use a Canadian dollar. Uh, that's that's not a true statement but it's very it's laws are far different to the rest of canada and more aligned to europe um bear, I, I, have a, I have a maybe unexpected question here on your travels recent and previous have you sort of managed to move around different states and just get a feel for, for these cultures firsthand yes well only within the west so i've, I've been around alberta i've been around mm -hmm. bc mm -hmm. and i've been around saskatchewan um Saskatchewan is very much agrarian, uh, low population, um, very religious. Alberta is kind of a hodgepodge. It's very much the Texas of Canada. Um, it's like a, all about freedom, cowboys. Um, you've got mountains, you've got badlands, um, swamps in the north. BC is beautiful, far more. The people are far more kind of hippie and anti-establishment, anti-kind of authoritarian. Um it's uh, yeah i think the cultural differences are, are quite apparent between provinces even within the west mm -hmm. um so it's yeah it, it's very different i mean the the thing with trudeau there's not a huge amount people write about him in the sense that he's he's not been a hugely prominent politician um but i'd say there's one thing he did and i totally respect him for this um, and that was in 2018, on the federal level, he completely legalized marijuana. Uh-huh. And he did, what, he did what any Western leader was too afraid to do. Um, and he said, you know what, screw this, we're going to legalize um, marijuana, edibles, all those kind of things. And we're not just going to do it, say, in Ontario, or in the, we're not going to let provinces decide, we're going to just do it everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was a very bold move on a country as large and diverse as Canada to take that risk. Um, and the federal government has made billions off of that move. Um, mm. Many provinces have chosen to pump those revenues, tax revenues into education and healthcare. And I, I mean, for me, it's a freedom issue. You know, it's uh, if people want to do that, um, I don't think they should be putting, they should be putting cages. And I think the Americans could learn a lot from the Canadian way of, um, you know, the, how how Canada treats marijuana here. And um, I think that was a great and interesting move by Mr. Trudeau. Yes, I, I, I think it's um, a very clear and obvious next step um, in all Western economies that will come with mm -hmm. time. It's crazy to think the level of legislation and legal bureau and bureaucracy around dictating what you can and cannot put in your body it's i think in in time we will look back at the draconian laws around possession and consumption of certain substances is well close to insane mm, mm. because as 
adults, you know, there's little reason as to why you shouldn't be allowed to, you know, consume at your own risk what drugs you see fit. Yes, yeah, I think on a fundamental level, um, why, I mean, I, I can, okay, I can totally see why a government would want to limit the intake or at least regulate and monitor the intake of substances that are harmful um and have potentially adverse effects um but when it comes to substances like alcohol or marijuana um i i think i think that you know there's there's really not much of a strong case for outright bans um and pro prohibition bill hicks once said you know that prohibition is so pathetic of marijuana that even like the lazy stoners are winning you know it's like all the army and the armies and police and guns of the world and the stoners are still winning like that shows you how ineffective the war on drugs is yeah that's a great 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 line um i i'd, I'd argue I, I mean i i was of that opinion until quite recently but then you look at you know the amount of um health impacts and devastation that alcohol causes it's by far and away the most dangerous drug if you look at it from that standpoint mm. in terms of how it ra can ravage you know families i mean any drug if abused can cause massive harm and i think just alcohol by token of being the most widely used is inevitably going to end up at the top of that stats list but yeah i, I think you know why not legalize everything not not as some sort of crazy experiment but i, I think sort of self-regulation although there may be my belief in individuals and humanity is misplaced mm. should you know be enough to keep people in, in society at large in check yeah yeah i mean they've certainly done that experiment in countries like portugal and mexico and i, I don't think the results have been particularly alarming um you've got the self-administered you know the heck of heroin centers and safe environments where you can you could administer um intake of heroin um you've also got yeah i suppose the de decriminalization efforts where okay you don't allow people to, to trade and sell cocaine um but it's it's decriminalized to to possess it or take it um so you know, there's diff there's different ways to to look at it, but I, I'm in agreement with you that there should be more more of a movement to to reduce drug and alcohol dependency with a different approach that doesn't involve police coming along with batons and locking you in a cage for years because you've you've got a dime bag, you know. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's very true, and and I think the the Canadian system seems to be striking a, a good balance in terms of what it's almost tiptoeing into you know and, and like you said that that was a very bold move from um trudeau's side to do that on a federal level as opposed to what the us is doing which is state by state and slowly sort of introducing it mm. the more liberal states being the first ones like california to do that um but yeah that was a very bold move and i think history will be kind to that decision i think you're absolutely right history will look upon it favorably um and you know, love him or hate him, and maybe maybe he's seen as sort of kind of a, a bland um, leader by many, Mr. Trudeau. I think that, uh, you know, I think that was a great move of his, and uh, history will look upon him favorably in Canada for doing that. Um, 
he's also he's had quite a, a vocal environmental stance, um, mm-hmm. which I think is is definitely positive. Um, but but other than that, he's not. I mean, he's never been seen as kind of one of the great leaders. Um, his father. Um, Pierre Trudeau. I was just going to say exactly because there is a, a small dynasty to be had there, right? There is a, there is a dynasty to be had there, and his, yeah, his father Pierre Trudeau was seen as far more intelligent um, and an understanding of, of the distribution of Canadian interests across the provinces. Um, but you know, as as a bland, a, f- a fairly bland leader, um, I think in this election. It could go either way, really. I think that the Conservatives could swoop out a lot of the votes. Um, Quebec is probably going to be taken by the uh, Quebec Bloc uh, party. And the NDP, uh, the Socialist Party, are also going to to sweep up some votes in different parts of Canada. Um, I mean, let's not forget that Trudeau lost his majority government in the last election. Um, so he's he's had a minority government for the past couple of years, um, mm-hmm. so he's not in a great position already. Um, and but it it will be interesting. There's um, you know it's it's kind of anyone's guess at this point, but the Liberals are kind of in hot water. I'm really interested to how this turns out, especially how this shapes out over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, we we, we could be in for a surprise result, brother Bear. If you had, you were a betting man, and I know you absolutely are. Um, where would you put your money? You know what? I think if at this point in time, if I was a betting man, I would just, just edge over and put my money with Trudeau still. And I think that's because the pandemic um, instability um, may call for some continued stability in people's lives. And people may say, you know what? We know what he's like. Let's just go with the incumbent. Let's stick with what we have for another few years and uh, see what happens there. I mean, I I think there's still a a decent chance that Erin O'Toole would win, but I'd, I'd probably still put my money with with Trudeau. Erin uh, Erin O'Toole is not a he's not a very high profile politician. He's a corporate mm-hmm. lawyer and an ex I think ex Air Force. Um, but beyond that, there's not much known about him. So I'd still say that people will, will go with uh, what they know during. The, the pandemic and and uh, put their money on Trudeau. And what's the term he gets? Four years. Uh, I think it's f- uh, yes, it's four. Cause there's a new fixed term act that that uh, puts the election every four years. So it's four years unless called before. Okay, so so um, he's what in his second. Just for context, and I should have asked this earlier, but he's in his second term now or first term still. He's in his second term. He called an election. Um, again he i think he was elected in 2015 um and then he he called an election he dissolved parliament um and uh called the second election after a few years but in the, in the in the second term sorry in the in the first election after his first term he lost his majority and a lot of people posit that that was because of his um you know painting of the face and and things like that um right and you know, he's, he, I, I think most people are aware that he's not a not a racist, but that certainly hurt his profile. Um, mm. So, especially his sort of pristine uh, liberal profile, I suppose. And you know, every um, I suppose every 
um, politician has some dirt that can always be kicked up and you know social media is the most unforgiving particularly um, for any aspiring politicians probably need to be scrubbing their social media as we speak <laughs> deleting everything from the past yeah. 20 years yeah yeah well it's um it's going to be an interesting election anyway so um i think i think um with there we can we can wrap it up um and keep close watch on uh, the canadian election on september 20th september 20th uh just well three weeks away i'm looking forward to it brotherly bear keep me posted and um yeah we'll see who is victorious in three weeks time we certainly will exciting times and uh perhaps not the world's eyes but our eyes will be on canada absolutely will you be voting <laughs> uh, i cannot vote as i'm not a canadian citizen but um no I'll be uh, I'll be scornfully watching my friends and seeing how they vote. Fantastic. If you could, would you say? Um oh gosh, that's and and you know what? I I don't think I've researched enough into it to um to say who I'd vote for. So you've done a whole podcast on it, but you can't answer. vote. <laughs> I can't vote because I don't I don't feel any uh I don't feel any affinity towards the uh the, the cast of characters you, you would have um, done out. some which i also have respect for that cohort you know you have your reasons yeah. Yeah. there's years when i vote there's years when i don't and uh i, I don't know if uh, i've got an affinity towards any of the the players right now to to vote i might i would perhaps vote on the provincial election um mm. i think i think definitely i would i would vote in that but, but on the federal i'm not sure and this um, um, enhanced status of yours that you'll be getting ultimately, does that allow you to vote on any level? I think it allows me to vote on um, local levels, but not on uh, federal. Province. Yeah, provincial. Province. Or, or, or local, but perhaps not on the federal level. Federal. <laughs> Brotherly Bear, well, thank you very much. It's um, truly been an education. Really has. Thank you. Thank you. I hope it's been uh, useful. And uh, yeah, let's... Uh, Let's see what Canada decides on September 20th. Fantastic. Well, um, God bless you and uh, God bless Canada. God, God bless Canada. Pow, pow. <laughs>